I found 1212 right after I miscarried our first baby and I got connected with them. And before 1212, I felt very alone. After I got connected with the podcast and the small groups, I had people to come alongside with me in this journey that I'm on. Impact stories like this one are only made possible by donors like you. To donate to 1212 Ministries, text the word 12 to 345-345. Thanks so much for partnering with us. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Okay, just kidding. You guys, Merry Christmas. Welcome to another episode of the Purpose Beyond Motherhood podcast. My name is Nicole. So glad that you are here. Thankful for you. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. I hope you are having a beautiful holiday season. We have another throwback episode with the creator and visionary of She Experienced, Sherelle Gilbert. I think that this is a great episode to go into the holidays because we all need a little bit of hope. Enjoy this. Merry Christmas. See you guys next week for our New Year's throwback episode. And then again, February 2022 brand new episodes. I am so grateful for you guys. Merry Christmas. And here's my conversation with Sherelle Gilbert. Sherelle, welcome to the podcast. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So glad to be here. I I, truly appreciate it. (laughs) I, I am so excited about this, like really, really excited. So you guys, you know, I always have to give you a little backstory before we start. So Sherelle, I've never met her before. And we really just connected on on social media and Instagram. Yes. And she just has this amazing blog, amazing brand. And, you know, just kind of connected through the infertility community. And you guys, I'm telling you what she is doing is just so encouraging, so beautiful. And just like, If you are just having a hard time and you need to be reminded of the goodness of God and just see an example of just an amazing woman doing her thing all for the glory of God, you have got to check her out online because she she is the real deal, you guys. And I mean, we're going to talk about all the things that she does, but. Cheryl, I just, again, just had to tell you, you're so amazing. Keep doing what you're doing because you are making an impact. Thank you. I'm just grateful. So, so grateful. Appreciate it. (laughs) So today, just on the episode, we are just talking about she experienced. And I just have a couple of Bible verses that I'd love to read. And then I'm getting out of the way so you can just share, um, you know, and just encourage us today. Uh, So Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And then Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. And those, yeah, those Bible verses were really just on my heart because, 
you know, we, we experience things. We're going to go through (laughs) some things and there is nothing like, um, being led and, you know, by, by God. And there Mm -hmm. is nothing like going through something in a community of people who are there for you and care for you and, and just, you know, there to support you. So Sherelle, please tell everybody just about you, you know, and just all the things. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, um, again, I just have to thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I'm over here. You can't see me, but I'm like smiling. I'm just so excited to be here. So thank you for that. Um, so a little about me. My name is Sherelle Gilbert. I, um, by day, I am a victim advocacy trainer and family advocate for a, um, for the National Children's Advocacy Center. So I am a, social worker, you know, my background is in social work. I've been doing this, um, for over 10 years. I, um, I, I love what I do. I really do. I love advocating for children and families. Um, and that kind of, uh, segues into what I do on the side. Um, my blog is entitled She Experienced. I have been blogging for seven years. Um, it really just kind of started, Um, as a way for me to share different things that I was going through. And now it just kind of morphed into, you know, me sharing my fertility journey, um, not only through blogging, but also now through YouTube. I started my YouTube channel back in January. So I share my fertility journey there. Um, I also write weekly devotionals that I send out via email. So I am a writer. Um, I love to like, I just love to share and just connect with people, especially in ways that, um, you know, typically we don't, you know, typically ways that we don't talk or share. So I just, I I love doing that. So that's, that's a little about me. Um, I have a fur baby. My dog is Cairo. (laughs) I am married. Um, my husband and I, um, which I'll talk a little bit more um, about later, but we are, you know, dealing with uh, infertility. So that's a little about me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And do you, and do you mind? Can we go into you know a little bit just about your infertility story and journey? Yes. So um, my husband and I have been married for seven years, and we. Um, we started trying to have a baby. We were trying, but not trying. Um, I would say probably 2015. And, you know, after they say after six months to a year of trying and you don't get pregnant, then to, you know, seek, um, you know, to seek help basically. So, for me, I noticed that we had been trying for, it was over a year and nothing happened. And I had, you know, just a couple friends who had encouraged me to, you know, go get tested or seek help, you know, just to find out what's going on, if there's anything going on. But I, I just wasn't ready to, to do that. You know, I just kind of ignored that. I was like, no, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it'll happen. And I just kind of ignored it. And <clears throat> I know that a lot of times when, you know, God is urging us to do something or nudging us to do something, and he may nudge us through somebody else or through, you know, scripture or whatever. Um, a lot of times that we may ignore it (laughs) and then he may present something to you where you just can't ignore it. And that's what happened for me. I, um, remember one day I, 
left work and I was getting ready to go to church for a meeting and I stopped at a store. I was kind of doing a little shopping and I had this stomach pain and it was so bad that I couldn't even finish shopping. Like I left my shopping cart at the store. I went to my car, I ran to my car and I just laid down in my car. Like this stomach pain was so bad. And it was similar to something that I've experienced before. When I was younger, I had, um, ovarian cysts that had ruptured and the pain was similar to that. So I assumed like maybe I had another cyst and it ruptured and this is what it is. So I, um, I continued, I went on ahead to the meeting that I had at church, despite, you know, experiencing the pain that I was going through. And, um, I remember in the meeting, they were like, you know, you need to go home or you need to go to the hospital. Like, this is not okay. And I was like, no, I'll be all right. And I remember going home and, uh, you know, told my husband what was going on. And he's like, well, if this is not, you know, subside, then we're, we're going to the hospital. I'm like, no, just let me rest. And I promise I'll be okay. And then also I had a gynecology appointment two days later. So I was like, I'm going to see my doctor anyway. So, you know, I can let her know what's going on and, you know, we'll, everything will be fine. So that night, you know, the pain subsided and I, you know, just kind of went on about my day the next day. And then I went to see my doctor. It was a Thursday and told her about that. So she's like, um, okay. So she's like, well, let's do some ultrasounds. Let's find out what's going on. Also, she was like, I know you guys, you told me that you guys are, have been trying, you know, how long has it been? And I was like, it's been over a year. So she's like, okay, so we're going to run some tests. So that's pretty much when everything began. You know, I had been avoiding this and then it was like this physical pain, you know, is is another nudge from God to go ahead and speak up and figure out what's going on. So that pretty much started this whole thing, you know, um, after the test, it was like, you may possibly have endometriosis. We po- we see some fibroids that might be there. That could be the reason why you haven't gotten pregnant. And it was literally like a month of testing and blood work and ultrasounds that just, you know, started this, this journey. And it was a lot. It was, it was so much just going back, thinking back on that month. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Wow. Oh my goodness. I know just infertility is is so hard it is it is just it's so hard and it's very hard how was I, I would love to know how what was your husband's response to all of this so he was very supportive my husband has been I mean he's been my rock through all of this he's just like he wants, he wanted to find answers. Like I want to figure out what's going on with my wife. Like I want to find out first, that was his major concern. Like I want to make sure you're okay. Like, of course I want babies, but I want to make sure that you're okay. So, you know, through all the testing and all of that, you know, I told him after that month, like, I just need a break. Like this was just too much. You know, I went from a month before, like, you know, nothing being an issue. And now being told that, 
or having that infertility diagnosis that is possibly endometriosis, you have fibroids, you know, um, low AMH. I mean, they were just throwing so much at me at once that it was just so overwhelming. So I remember after that, you know, I told him that I needed a break and he's like, well, we're going to take a break. We're not going to do anything else because it was like after that moment or after that month, it was like, okay, here's your referral to your fertility doctor. And then we met with him and it's like, okay, we're getting ready to start IUI. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know what that is. I don't know what's going on. Like, I just need a break. So we, I remember we took about a year and a half of a break just from all of that because it was just so much. Yeah. And if you don't mind sharing, where, where are you in your journey now? Like, you know, today? Yes. So a year, a little over a year ago, I would say last spring. So spring of 2019, um, a friend of mine who had literally gone through something very similar, she um, asked me, you know, where was I with, you know, fertility treatments? Because initially I was against it. I was like, I'm not doing that. You know, I believe that God is just going to let this happen on its own. Like, I don't want to see another doctor. I was just completely over it. So she asked me, you know, where are you with that? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just waiting on God. And she's like, well, you know, how do you know that God is not urging you or encouraging you to seek treatment? Like, what is what's your apprehensiveness against (laughs) treatment? And I was just like, I don't know. And she's like, okay, I I just want to encourage you to pray over it. Like pray over it, see what God says and go from there. I'm, you know, not going to force you to do anything, but just, I just want to encourage you to pray over it. So I did, I went through a season of praying and fasting, like, Lord, just show me what you need me to do. Like, I'm just going to completely surrender. Like I said, I was against treatment. I was like, I don't want anything to do with fertility treatments. For some reason, I don't know why I felt like it was against the will of God to seek fertility Mm -hmm. treatment. But my friend also said, you know, you are you know, your background is in therapy, you know, you're a therapist, you know, why is it okay for people to seek, you know, treatment or therapy if they have a mental illness, but it's not okay for someone to seek treatment for fertility issues. She she was like, you have to look at it as it's a medical condition. She Mm -hmm. said, you know, you, it's okay, you know, to seek treatment or to seek help for that. God places people in positions to help you know, to help other people with certain needs. So she was like, so why is this any different? And I was like, huh, (laughs) (laughs) you're right. You're right. So I, I, like I said, I went through a season of praying, fasting, and I just remember one day I was like, let me see if I can find another fertility doctor. Cause the one that I had went to, I just wasn't, you know, we didn't really vibe, if you will. So I remember I went to Google and I searched for fertility, you know, doctors in my area. And the first one that popped up is the doctor that I see now. And I went to their website and the about page, like just the website was just so inviting. And it was just like, oh my goodness, just the feeling that I felt when I was on the website. And then I went to the about page and the reason, um, or, or something about in their description of their name, the Fertility Institute of North Alabama, um, their acronym is FINA. And it said in Hebrew, it means he shall add. And I was like, oh my goodness, and they're Christians. I was like, oh, this yeah. is it. 
this is it. So I remember um, scheduling the consultation and we got in there quickly. And just upon walking in and being greeted by the um, front desk staff and the doctor himself, like we just felt at home. You know, we felt like, um, we felt like more than just patients or more than just clients, you know, we felt like family, you know, they really truly made us feel like family and that our situation was important, you know, to them. So right now <laughs> where we are with our journey is we've gone through IVF. That was just, oh my goodness. We went through IVF in January and right now we are currently waiting to transfer our embryo. So I can even go more into that because it's, <laughs> it's a long story. But um, if you want, I can go <laughs> more in depth into that. Oh yeah, I mean it's to, it's absolutely up to you. Okay, so um, so last year when we met with our doctor, um, like I said, he was just so amazing. You know, he just wanted to know everything about my history just to find out what's going on. And he was, to me, it was like he was more invested or most invested in finding out what the problem was, finding a solution and then getting us pregnant. Like that was what my husband was about. He was like, you know, yes, we want to have kids, but I want to make sure you're okay. And that was the doctor's, you know, starting point. Like, I want to make sure you're okay. So I had told him about the history of abdominal pain I was experiencing. I mean, for every month, you know, not just with menstrual cramps, but even between that, like I would still have some pains. And, you know, I told him how previous doctors had told me it was normal because I had gone to doctors and stuff in the past and mm -hmm. never been diagnosed with fibroids, never been diagnosed with endometriosis, although I was having a lot of the pains and symptoms associated with those um, conditions. So he was just like, that's not normal. Like you shouldn't be in pain every month. And I was like, wow, nobody has ever told me that. Nobody's <laughs> ever told me that it's not normal. I actually heard the opposite. Yeah. Like, oh, it's normal. You know, it's, this just happens or here, take some birth control pills. And he's like, no. So oh. the first thing for him was, you know, I want to find out what's going on. So he um, presented the option of the laparoscopic procedure, which, you know, goes in um, through your abdomen and it can determine whether you have endometriosis or not. Like that's really the only true way to diagnose endometriosis is through the laparoscopic procedure. So initially I was like, no, nope, I don't want any <laughs> surgeries. Like, no, I had watched too many medical shows, Chicago Fire, ER, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I don't want any surgery. So he was like, okay, you know, just think about it. You know, he, I mean, laid everything out. Like, this is what this procedure entails. You know, this is what it look like if we find this, you know, if it's just endometriosis and I can clear out the excess tissue, then good. It could be, um, you could have tubal blockage, you know, you could have damaged, you know, tubes and then it could result in this. So he literally laid out everything, every possible scenario, everything that he was even thinking that it could be, you know, a possibility for me. So um, after a lot of blood work, it came back that I had 
you know, confirmed that I had low ovarian reserve. So basically the way they described it is, you know, we have like, as women, we have like a basket of eggs and the number of eggs that I had was low. So they were Mm -hmm. saying like, even though you had diminished ovarian reserve, it doesn't mean that your quality of eggs are not good. So he was like, I'm more concerned with the quality than the number. So I said, okay. So that was one thing. It was another thing, another (laughs) hard pill to swallow that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't producing, you know, any more eggs. Like that was, you know, my basket of eggs was diminished. Um, So he suggested uh, the surgery and I remember, you know, finally I I said, okay, (laughs) we can do the surgery because he's like, it's not, you know, it's not any of what you think, you know, so we did the surgery. And prior to, he said, um, because one of the ultrasounds showed that um, it looks like I had some tubal damage, he said there's a possibility that I may have to remove one tube or both. He said it just really depends on how much scar tissue or how much damage has been done to one of the um, one of the tubes, the fallopian tubes. that was a lot. I was just praying like, okay, Lord, well, just please, you know, if he has to take anything, just, just take one, you know, I still want to be able to conceive naturally. I don't want him to take both tubes because you take both tubes and you can't conceive naturally. I was just like praying, praying like, okay, just, just one tube, please. If he has to take anything. So after the surgery, um, you know, I found out that there was so much scar tissue and damage done to not only one tube, but the other one was at risk for being damaged because of the scar tissue that he had to remove both. So I had both my tubes removed. Um, I had, he had to clear out all the scar tissue from the endometriosis and all of that, all that excess tissue that grows basically outside of the uterine lining. And that when I came out of that surgery and they told me, you know, what happened, it was it was devastating. It it was devastating. It was so hard to um, to process. It was so hard to accept. You know, I was angry with God. I really was. And I remember a a good friend of mine, you know, she kind of dealt with similar. She said, you know, it's okay to feel exactly how you feel like. And tell God, you know, tell God that you're angry. Tell God exactly how you feel because he can handle it. You know, he can handle your anger. He can handle the frustration. He can handle the the disappointment. Excuse me. He can handle all of that. So tell God, you know, that you're angry. And I just remember like, why? Why did, did you allow this to happen? Like, why am I going through this? And the Lord reminded me, he, and he has a a funny way of reminding (laughs) you of prayers or things that you said. And it was two weeks before I went, or a week before I went to see my doctor, before I met with him, before all of this happened, that um, I prayed and I said, Lord, use me in this new season. Because it was almost my birthday. And I was like, you know, I'm getting ready to turn 33. Lord, use me in this season. He said, remember, you told me to use you. I was like, yeah, but I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't mean this way. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm getting ready to use you. And I was just like, I, I can't, I don't know how I can get through this. And I remember um, after my surgery, my mom and my dad came down 
to visit with me and to, you know, just pray with me and just to comfort me because it was just so much to deal with. And my dad said to me, he said, um, if anybody can turn this thing into a testimony, it's you. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. OK. All right. So from that moment, it was like I you know, it was, it was, like I said, it was hard to accept and hard to process, but it was like, I knew that God had me, you know, I knew that God had a purpose in all of this. I knew that he was not going to leave us. I knew that he wasn't going to forsake us. I knew that he had us and he had a purpose, but it was just at that time, it was so hard to see or understand. So, um, it was, it was a lot. So it was like, after that, um, the doctor allowed me to heal and he's like, okay, you know, you know, your only option is IVF. So I had been against IVF. It was like, I was against <laughs> surgery. I was against <laughs> IVF. The things I was against, the Lord was taking me to like yeah. these things that you had casted out and said, were not for you. These are going to be the things that are going to be your testimony. It's going to be your story. And <clears throat> I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm just going to relinquish control. I'm just going to give it, I'm just going to surrender. Like whatever it is you, you, you need me to do or whatever it is that you want me to do. I want to do that. You know, I'm tired of saying what I'm not going to do. I'm tired of, of, um, you know, just trying to control everything. So, um, so yeah, so we started, we were actually supposed to start IVF in October and I, um, went, you know, had the blood work, the, it's called the baseline, you know, appointment. So it's your ultrasound and your blood work, you know, just to make sure all your levels and everything are at a good space to start your injections. So, um, you know, I went, you know, got the blood work done, ultrasound, and was set to start that evening. Well, my doctor called me that night and was like, you cannot start your injections. Um, your uh, blood work was off the chart. Basically, he was like, it, it was, your levels were so high that it's borderline premenopausal. And I was like, what? So he's like, so I cannot start you on IVF. Like you're, man, I can't even think of the terms that FSH or something like that. I can't remember, but whatever it is, those levels were so high that he said it was like borderline premenopausal. So I, again, I was like, Lord, what, what is this? Like, why? You know, I, I've already accepted that I can do, that I'll do IVF. I said, yes. And then now you're telling me no. So it was, oh my goodness. It was just another hurdle, another hard pill to swallow. It was just another setback, another disappointment. And I was just like, I don't understand. So after that, you know, I just remember praying with my family, we went through another season of praying and fasting. And I was just like, you know what? I don't believe the results. I don't believe that test. I was like, I believe that God, you know, just needed me to wait a little longer. I believe that he stopped that. Like, I don't believe those results. I believe the next time that I take the blood work, everything's going to be fine. I just remember saying that. And then, um, it was, a probably a few weeks after that, they wanted me to come back in to check my blood work again. And everything was normal. Everything was fine. He was like, I don't know what happened. He was like, your level was just, you know, sky high that day. I don't know what, what happened. I don't know why, but your levels are fine now. So you are, you know, you're on schedule to start IVF in January. 
So praising God, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. So, yes, yeah, so we started IVF in January and that was an adventure. I hate needles. I, oh, I just, I hate it all. But um, my husband, he took the lead in that. You know, he was the one that was mixing the medication and giving me the injections. So, while he was doing that, I was just praying. <laughs> I was just like praying, praying over that. But that experience, honestly, was like brought us closer together because it was like we neither of us had done anything like that. So for us to experience that together, you know, and to be doing the, the injections and, you know, going back and forth to the doctor together, you know, that really just it really just strengthened our marriage and just brought us closer together. And um so that was in January and I had egg retrieval, um, you know, a couple, it was about 10, I think it was about 11 days of injections. And then you have the um, trigger shot, which basically triggers the ovaries to release the eggs. And then you go in for your egg retrieval. So went in for egg retrieval and what is so special and so you can just tell God is in this about my cases if you remember I said that I have low ovarian reserves so I don't have a whole lot of eggs so um on average at egg retrieval women average about 15 to I think it's 26 eggs at retrieval um I only retrieve two they only retrieve two eggs for me and for us to get two eggs was a miracle because the doctor, you know, considering my low AMH, he was just hoping, you know, at least for one. So we got two eggs and um, both eggs fertilized, but one, only one survived. So we only have one embryo that survived and it's frozen currently. So that was just such a blessing. I still look back, you know, especially even talking to some of the ladies in my fertility circles, you know, some who retrieve 30 eggs and, and, you know, uh, 20 eggs and, and, you know, they get these high numbers, you know, for us to have only retrieved two and to still have one, like, it's just, it's a miracle. It's, it's, it's a miracle because like I said, with considering all the other things that are against us, the endometriosis, the fibroids, the low AMH, you know, uh, the um, tubes removed, you know, all those things, you know, we were still able to come out with, you know, we were blessed to be able to have two and then now it's just the one. So um, that was, that was exciting, but also at the same time, I was just like, man, you know, I only really have this one shot. Like this has to work. It has to work because I can't go through this again. So we've, um, so we were supposed to, so initially I had, I was supposed to get or have the embryo transferred back in March. So we had the date. It was March 17th, went in for ultrasound, um, blood work and the so it's a specific type of ultrasound it's the SIS so it's the saline um the saline sonogram so basically they just insert water into your uterus so they can see clearly or see even better than the normal ultrasound so on that ultrasound he saw what looked like a fibroid so he's like okay 
because we only have one embryo, I do not want to risk um, anything, any type of pregnancy complications, miscarriage with this one, you know, because you only have one embryo, I don't want to risk anything, you know, by transferring it and you have this fibroid. So he's like, I'm going to have to go back in. And I was like, no, (laughs) I just, I didn't want that. But I was like, you know what? Okay. You you know, if you, this is what you feel is best. And also, you know, you don't want to just transfer our embryo and risk anything. Then I, I support that. I'm with that. So, um, had to cancel that embryo transfer and they scheduled me for, um, I was actually able to get in for surgery really quickly. It's actually right before the COVID lockdown, everything, <laughs> Yeah, right before that. <laughs> so I was blessed to be able to get in before that. So went in for the surgery. He said it was a very, very quick procedure. He saw it. It was very small. It's much smaller than what it showed on the scan. So he said that was, that made him even more happy because it was smaller, quick procedure and, you know, no complications or anything. So then the pandemic happened. Um, so we were supposed to, um, I think transfer in April, but because of the pandemic, everything was closed. They were not doing any transfers in April. So another month of waiting. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> At this point, I'm used to to waiting. So the April transfer, everything was canceled then. So we were looking. Um, so once everything opened back up in May, um, they called me. They said, you know, we're going to get you back on the calendar and we're looking at a June transfer. So we want to do another ultrasound, all the blood work, all that stuff all over again so that we can see, um, so we can make sure everything is healed up and, you know, you're ready for transfer. So went through all that again, blood work, ultrasound, and the doctor saw what looked like scar tissue. So he said, it's not a lot of scar tissue. He said, I could transfer the embryo. Um, He said, but again, I just just don't feel comfortable. He's like, I don't want to risk anything. He said, you have one embryo left. I mean, one embryo and you know, this is, this is your only, you know, our only chance. And I just want everything to be as close to perfect as possible. So I was literally like 10 days away from transfer and he gave me this news and I just, I broke down. I was like, I can't take any more of this. Like, this is just too much. You know, I, um, we're almost, you know, at a year of, you know, seeing with being with our doctor. And I was like, you know, for us, for me to now be at the brink of a third surgery and, you know, still waiting, I did IVF back in January and it's June and I still am not pregnant. Like (laughs) I, I, I just, I don't know if I could do any more of this. And he was just so understanding. He's like always, you know, checking to see how I'm feeling. Like, he's like, I completely understand. And you know, I'm so sorry. You know, he just kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He was like, but I, I just want to make sure your uterus is, you know, per- pretty much perfect without saying perfect, but, you know, as close to perfect as possible. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you, I'll give you some time to decide if you want to do another surgery or not. You know, I completely understand either way. So, um, went home and talked to my husband and I just was like, I can't, 
I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, <laughs> how much longer do we have to wait? And he's like, you know, first off, we're blessed to have a doctor who cares, you know, who's taken so much time and effort into, you know, our treatment. And, you know, he cares enough to make sure that your womb is as close to perfect as possible for, you know, our baby, you know, he doesn't want anything to happen. And, you know, um, and he, you know, believes that this surgery will be the last one. He, you know, this procedure is going to be um, different from the other. So, um, you know, I think we should just, I think we should go ahead. So at this point, I was just like, I don't even, you know, I don't even care anymore. Like that's, that's just where I was. I was like, I had been so excited. I had even posted on my Instagram, like a little countdown to embryo transfer. Like I was just, I just knew that that point, you know, in June was, it was going to be it. I was just perfect. It's right before my birthday. Like this is the perfect timing. And God was like, not yet. So, um, had the surgery a couple weeks ago and again, another successful surgery. This time he did the procedure a little differently to prevent any more scar tissue. Right now he has me on, um, uh, estrogen, you know, to help thicken the, thicken the uterine lining so that, you know, just to hope, just to, um, provide additional prevention of, or yeah, prevention of any more scar tissue. So um, right now, <laughs> I'm still waiting. I do not have an embryo date. You know, I, you know, after this last delay, I was just like, Lord, you know, I, um, I'm fully and completely trusting you. Not that I didn't before, but right now I'm just kind of surrendering all of my, you know, timelines because I had to me, like I had gotten attached to that date. Like I was like, okay, June 10th, this date is perfect. And then I had already started planning the future in my head. Like, okay, if I get pregnant, then then this is when the babies do. Like I had just gotten attached to that timeline, you know, and I was just like, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of getting attached to these timelines, these dates, you know, these ideas and then being let down. So I was like, at this point, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, I'm just going to completely and fully trust you. I'm, I want to be attached to you. Like, I don't want to be attached to, you know, this idea of how I think my life is supposed to be or how I think things are going to turn out. Like, because I just keep getting disappointed. So, um, so at that point, like, that's where I am now. Like, I am just whatever happens, happens. (laughs) whatever date is going to be, then that, that's what it's going to be. But I've just, in order to protect my mental health, my emotional health, because this journey is just so many ups and downs, so many uncertainties, so much back and forth. You know, one day you can get good news and things will be on track. And then the very next day you can get something that's just crushing, you know? So just to protect myself, you know, I'm like, I'm not getting attached to anything, <laughs> but God, <Absolutely>. and, <laughs> you know, like I, I can't. So um, right now I'm, you know, what they call in recovery from the surgery, which I've been doing pretty good, you know, no issues, no complications. And then um, I went in a couple weeks ago, well, last, yeah, two weeks ago, you know, just for another um, checkup and they're looking at possibly September, but I was just like, eh, okay, September, (laughs) 
if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But um, that's where I am. I'm just, we're still waiting. <laughs> we're still waiting on our miracle. But we, you know, we, God has given me a dream years ago um, about our child. He actually gave my husband a dream of our, our child. And, you know, we're just, we're just trusting and believing that God will fulfill his promise in his own time. You know, that's, that's where we are with that. Sherelle, I have to tell you, I mean, because your faith like is crazy. Like you, (laughs) you have crazy faith. You know, I I was unfamiliar with your story and Mm -hmm. just like being on the outside, you know, seeing, you know, you on, um, you know, on social media, Mm-hmm. And just like the words that you say, the encouragement that you bring, like you have crazy faith. Yeah. Which it's so amazing. Like Thank it you. is amazing. Thank you. And that's, that's what we've called our journey. Honestly, our crazy <laughs> faith journey, because everything has been, you know, it's been crazy, you know, from us deciding, you know, to go ahead and do IVF. Like we were just trying to figure out how to pay for it. Cause IVF is expensive. Mm-hmm. We were, um, my husband and I had, uh, paid off a lot of debt last year and then IVF came and I was like um okay Lord how are we gonna pay for this and we ended up having to use a card that we had just paid off and I was like Lord like we're trying to be out of debt like (laughs) how why I don't I don't understand how this is gonna work like we're trying to be out of debt like and now you're telling us to use something we just paid off to now, you know, to pay for this treatment. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But we proceeded with that. And, um, you know, we uh, we decided to literally um, a couple months ago, we were we were at home and both of us on two separate occasions, you know, got the idea, the crazy idea to sell our house. And we're like, we both came to each other. We, we, you know, talked to, I have a, my best friend is a realtor and we're like, okay, let's, let's look into this. So we thought about it and we prayed about it and we're like, let's sell this house because what our house is the worth, you know, the value of it right now is far beyond what we pay for it. Not only can we pay off our IVF, but that will enable us to, you know, save and, you know, prepare for this next season. So that was another crazy thing we did. You know, we were like, oh, I mean, we're not attached to our house. We're not attached to any of this stuff. Like God is telling us to sell. We sold our house. We're in our lovely, I mean, our bomb apartment right now that we love we love it so much um but we were able to pay off the IVF <laughs> from last year you know so that is done you know so the the very thing that we were trying to avoid like okay lord how is, how are we going to pay this off and then now a year, less than a year later is paid off so it's like god's been ordering our steps every every moment every month you know every with every um, appointment or with every setback, you know, and my husband was telling me, cause I was saying like, you know, another delay, another delay. And he was like, well, if we are on God's time, is it really a delay? And I was like, you know what? Oh, That's a good point. <laughs> he was like, you know, think about it. You know, we're, you know, maybe delayed by our own timeline or our own time frame. But if we are on God's time, then we're right on time. We're not delayed. 
So I just, I had to look at it that way. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, that's why I was like, I had to put aside my own timeline and my own time frame and these ideas of, you know, okay, if we get pregnant now, then I'll be perfect next year. And I was just like, you know, I had to let go of that and, you know, get on board with God's time. Cause you know, apparently <laughs> our time frames are two totally different things. And if I keep getting disappointed by my own time frame, like, let me just get on God's time. And then I'll save myself some heartache and disappointment because I'm on his time and his time is perfect. We're on time. So that, you know, it's, it has been our crazy faith journey because the things that we've been doing from sharing our journey, because initially I was not going to share. I was thinking I was going to share after we had our baby. And the Lord was like, no, you're, you're going to share now. And I was like, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. And I remember, um, my first blog post about it, I had, it was sitting in draft mode for a year and a half before I actually posted it. Yes. I was just going back and forth. Like, are you sure, Lord, you want me to share this? Like, are you sure? And finally, when I shared it, like when I tell you, like, it was just so much, like, I literally felt free at that moment because it was like I had been um, bound by so much shame and guilt and embarrassment that, you know, me sharing released, you know, pretty much broke those chains of that shame and embarrassment. It's like, you don't have to be ashamed of this. Like, and that's what that's what prompted me to share is because so many women, especially women of color, we, um, you know, we're taught to, you know, keep things at home. You know, we're not taught to share things, you know, especially something as vulnerable and sensitive as infertility. You know, you really that's something you really need to keep at home. Like you don't need to talk about that. And for me, it was like I wanted to break that stigma. Like I wanted to break that chain um, for women of color and just women everywhere, just in general for couples, for African-American couples, because, and also for men too, who don't speak and who, you know, who feel embarrassed as well. Like me sharing was for them as well. And to show that, you know, God is, God can still get the glory, even when you're going through difficult times. Like we don't have to wait until you know, we get our blessing to testify. Like you could still testify while you're going through it because God is still good, you know? And that's what I want people to to see and to feel from me sharing, whether it's an Instagram post or my blog post or my YouTube, that God can still get the glory. And that me going through this, like, I want you to see that this is not me because the real me, I would be in the corner somewhere crying every day, but to show you that this is God working through me to show you like, it's possible to praise God in the storm. It's possible to wait with, with, uh, expectancy and with hope and with joy. Like it's possible because so many times we feel like, you know, we, um, you know, we go through these difficult seasons and it has to be a struggle. You know, we're, you know, it's a dark cloud. It's, it's gloomy every day. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, there are days where I'm like, okay, Lord, today I'm not okay. Like I'm a mess and I allow myself to be a mess. You know, I allow myself to experience all the emotions and then you know, a, a, whether it's a day or two, but then God shows me like, you don't have to stay there. You know, it, it doesn't have to be your journey to of waiting or your season of waiting or your journey to your miracle doesn't have to be dark and gloomy. It can be beautiful. 
Sherelle, oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much for yes. sharing that. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> love your story. Love you. You are so great. Uh, please you. So tell everybody, you know, where, where can they find you online or on your socials? Yes. So on Instagram and Facebook, I am She Experienced. Um, you can also find me on YouTube as She Experienced. Um, again, my name is Sherelle Gilbert. And um, oh, and my website is SheExperienced.com. Awesome. Well, we will include all of those links in the show notes. But Sherelle, I have your final two because yeah. this podcast is all about Matthew 5, 16 and letting your light shine for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, I just truly believe that God uses our story to change the world. Mm-hmm. So, so how did your puzzle pieces lead you to where you are today? I think um, each piece, each puzzle piece or each um, difficult journey that God has allowed me to go on <clears throat> has really led me to this point today. You know, I, when I was younger, I was just very timid and shy and not very talkative, but I feel like every situation has built upon the next, you know, every faith journey, every um, faith walk, you know, has allowed me to be where I am today and to speak and to be a voice for those who feel scared or ashamed or timid or afraid. So that's how, you know, God is piecing those puzzles together the what's a mystery to me is not to him so that's how he's putting all that together oh that that was good (laughs) and then you just do such a great job at just shining bright and not hiding your light for the kingdom have you always been that way and what can you share with us just to encourage us and help us Yes. So I have not always been um, this way. I, um, I actually dealt with uh, an issue or a period of low self-esteem and um, God had told me that I was going to speak about that. And that was like my first time where I spoke and shared what God has done for me and through me. And um, I just think that it's so important, whatever way God leads you to share or to be a light or to shine, I just feel like it's so important that you um, you follow through with that. Like you allow God to lead you and however he, you know, tells you that you're going to share or you're going to be a light, but don't be afraid to share or to um to walk in what God has called you to do. You know, he has different paths for all of us. And I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to not be afraid to share your story. 